This episode was brought to you by our Patreon supporters, Amy Swan, Blake Popst, Greg Bench, Joel Robertson, Jonathan Edge, and Trey Whetstone. Thank you all. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, the father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings, and I am joined as always by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Sun. Happy holiday season. I hope everyone's doing just swimmingly. Now let's talk about some murder, shall we? Exactly. So we are a spoiler podcast. We do spoil the movies we discuss. And this is our 2020 Christmas episode. We will bring you all kinds of different holiday horror films, a couple of them. And to do that right, we called in a big gun. Returning to the podcast, our buddy from LOTC and Phantom Galaxy, Big Bill Van Vago. Welcome, Bill. Thank you very much. It's always an honor to be brought back to the Father and Son Watch Horror Den. So bring on the horror, bring on the chills, bring on the scares. And were you a naughty or a nice person this year? Oh, you're teeing that one up. So we each are bringing a different holiday horror film. And let's kick it off. Our guest goes first. Bill, what movie have you got for us? Well, it's funny. When I was asked by you guys nicely to come on, I always try to get ones that seem to be good, but I haven't seen. Because I'm always trying to expand my repertoire. Mm -hmm. And while I think every year I watch 400 some odd horror movies, there's always some that slip through. So this year I decided on 1980s Christmas Evil. Now, I'll give you the IMDb synopsis. Before I start, have either of you two gentlemen seen this before this week? Jackson? No, this is my first time seeing it. I think I had seen screenshots from it before, but I got it mixed up with this foreign film I had seen about a killer Santa. So um, I was a little confused going in, but after a while, I grew to love it. All right. Have you seen this one, uh, Matt? I saw it a few years ago for the first time on YouTube when I was working through the horror movies of 1980. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'll give the audience a synopsis based on IMDb. A toy factory worker, mentally scarred as a child upon learning Santa Claus is not real, suffers a nervous breakdown after being belittled at work and embarks on a Yuletide killing spree. Uh, the director is Lewis Jackson, who and written by Lewis Jackson, who when I looked up had really not done anything of any consequence. Uh, the two main actors in this film that you will recognize is Brandon Maggart and Jeffrey DeMunn. Yeah. Now, Brandon, Brandon Maggart, you might know from Dress to Kill. That's the biggest film he was probably in other than this, the De Palma film. But yeah. Jeffrey DeMunn, Jeffrey DeMunn is a veteran of the genre and acting in general. Oh, uh, yeah. You might, He's wonderful. But Brandon Maggart, do you know who's who he uh, is the father of? Yes, I do. Uh, after after I watched it, Nathan Bartlebaugh, my co-host at Phantom Galaxy, said, "Did you know that this is Fiona Apple's father?" Yes. And I was I was like, I don't see the resemblance, but Not I really at all. shouldn't be able to. I shouldn't be able to. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but but Jeffrey Demun, you would know from. I mean, I know him right away from the Green Mile. Yep. Uh, the Walking Dead. Uh, the remake of The Blob, The Hitcher, The Mist, the list goes on. He's probably got 150 credits. Have you seen him in Citizen X? I don't believe so, no. Oh, that is one you need to chase down. In fact, I have bothered Gilman Joel to see that for Terror on the Tube. He plays the most infamous serial killer in Soviet Union history, Andrei Chikatilo. I think he killed 50-some oh. 
people. And it's an HBO movie, but it's like he plays Chikatilo, and I think it's Stephen Ray plays the investigator after him, and Donald Sutherland is also in it. It's a great film. Wow, so it must be a recent one, because I remember when the trial was going on, and he was behind the plexiglass and in the cage and all that kind of yep. stuff. They have that on. that. It's it's 1990s, maybe mid-late 90s uh. when they made it. It was pretty fresh off of the trial. Um, and for something they put together pretty quickly, HBO did a really good job. But Jeffrey DeMunn is chilling in it. Stephen Ray is great in it. And also Donald Sutherland, as always, is great in it. And those are three strong actors. Stephen Ray yeah. is great. I mean, you, you never forget him in the... Um... Oh, what's the one where the there's a, that ending that you're not going to that twist that you're never going the to crying the crying game, game the yeah. crying game. Yeah. But I mean, Donald Sutherland is in my top 10 all time actors. Yeah, uh, I absolutely love the man. So, yeah. Um, so those are the two. There's an actress called Diane Hall. But if you look her up, there's probably nothing in it. Here's how the movie starts. Uh, a young Harry sees Santa performing. An oral act on Mrs. Claus. <laughs> and, and, and for and those is, listening, if you're watching, it only shows Santa getting to like second base really on screen, right? It doesn't go yeah. full out. <laughs> no, but it, the, the implication is there. Yeah. And the son sees it and he is scarred to the point where he has a snow globe in his hand and he's so ticked off that he crushes it and he splits open his thumb, basically. Mm. And so he's got this mental scar from a young age of... Of sorry, spoiler, Santa is not exactly who you think he is. Right. And so then it cuts to him as an adult. And adult Harry, played by Maggart, he keeps a list in his apartment, more of a journal, of what he considers a good and a bad list of kids in the neighborhood. Yet he's really the ultimate creep. And he creeper. does so basically, yeah, I was going to say, because he's basically a peeping Tom. He's, yeah, he's a creeper, but he's... You know, uh, uh, most creepers you see are looking at women in negligee through. No, he's looking at kids. Yes. To see if they've been good or bad. And so you're kind of like, mm, it's slightly uncomfortable, but you're intrigued enough to want to go keep watching it. It's got that feel of the 80s slasher. And actually, it predates Friday the 13th. So it kind of didn't really have the model to go by. So it's kind of winging it, really. Um, and he peeped through the window of a couple down the road. A co-worker who was hard on him, who turns out is his brother, Jeffrey DeMunn. Right. And, and so we kind of get that revelation. And later in the movie, we get into their relationship. And at, when he's at work, he's kind of belittled. You know, the guy, he's recently taken a job kind of as a foreman. So he's got, a, a, he's got his footsteps in on a, a management position. But he's not really quite on upper management. He's kind of in that toe one. In, and so his co-workers who are on the line of a toy story, a, a toy factory, are giving him crap for kind of jumping up into the management. And people in management are downloading stuff on him because he's got to earn his stripes. So he's kind of getting it on both ends. He doesn't have a, a good mental frame anyways. And the piling on, he takes a shift for a guy on the line and the guys in management rib him about it. And he's not a big fan, I think, of the company itself, but he's very fastidious as to how mm -hmm. the job should be done. And at a certain point, he just snaps. And you see him sewing a Santa suit. And for a man in 1980 to be really good with a sewing machine is, is something to behold. So yeah. he, sews, yeah. he sews, creates his own Santa suit 
and he's got the shaggin wagon van that he paints yeah. that he paints up to be kind of his chariot his sleigh and he's got sleigh. his sleigh he's got the the white and then he's got the sleigh painted on and you can probably you figure it's a slasher because on the cover santa's got an axe with blood dripping off it so you kind of know where it's going um i i thought that it showed a person's mental breakdown effectively while still being humorous so this would have been about the same time as the shining came out and so two very, very different movies, yet they show a mental breakdown and a murderous aftermath of what happens with the breakdown. Um, he dresses up as Santa and goes from house to house in a Santa mobile van. It's very well acted, at least I thought. And for the, for the time frame and the budget given, he probably did about as good a job as he could. Um, he is intent on bringing as many toys to a local kid's hospital as possible. And he kills those who he feels have been quote unquote naughty. Uh, some of the kills are quite fun. Some were involving the actual company toys that he helped create. Uh, he tried going down one chimney as Santa Claus. And I won't say how that goes, but you can probably <laughs> guess. It's uh, not skinny as his daughter. No, I, I think his his wild child rear and hips got in the way, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's a suffocation with a toy bag. Uh, it, and there's one really cool neighborhood with way too many white lit up Santas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he almost didn't get away because he was too cheap to, buy, to not buy winter tires. Yes. If he had had good winter tires, he would have gotten away. Exactly. Uh, he, he cares for the kids in a way he feels he never was. They are the innocent and they need to be protect, protected. Right. Uh, and he, he, in his mind, he sees himself as, you know, the Robin Hood of the kids. He's taking from the bad to give to the good and keeping that image of Santa in the St. Nick tradition as opposed to what he later finds it out to be. Um, it is funny seeing him scamper after a neighborhood mob is chasing him, kind of like Frankenstein mobs who somehow out. come up with torches <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know you've got you've got um uh you you can get any utensil you want to use uh a fire a flashlight you can use a spotlight you can use mm. a headlight no they've got torches right in the middle of this urban neighborhood in 1980 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all i'll say is i won't give away the very ending but it's done in a way where he goes back to talk to Mr. DeMunn and kind of confront him over things that happened in years back. And the ending, you got to see it to believe it. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of like that, oh, and you just see things flying, you know. So, and, and I could have sworn, I slowed it down. The final scene where a van takes off, yeah. you can see everybody sliding on the side and you see the sheets of what should have been snow, but it was just a sheet moving up and down as the person <laughs> slides down the hill. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed it. There's a funny scene of him going as Santa Claus to a dance. Oh, yeah. And uh, and his response to that is quite funny. It's, it's done tongue-in-cheek, obviously. It's done with a budget. But some of the kills are fun. And it is a bit of a look inside the mind of somebody who's going through something quite strenuous and when he snaps. So I would give it a strong seven and a half out of 10. Oh, wow. And I would definitely watch it. I know Nathan thinks this is his second favorite Christmas 
horror movie after Black Christmas. Wow. He likes it better wow. than Silent Night, Deadly, Deadly Night, or any of the others we're going to talk about tonight. So wow. he likes the humor in it. I, I think it was a, a fun watch. And I think anybody who likes the slasher or Christmas evil type genre, it's definitely worth a watch. All right. Well, Jackson, what do you think, buddy? Oh, I loved it. Um, you know, I went in thinking this would be like a trashy slasher. And what I got was something a little bit more intelligent than that. Uh, it, I, th- I feel like it's closer to something like Maniac than to something like uh, Happy Birthday to Me. It's a little bit more. It explores, uh, like Bill said, it explores this guy's descent into madness. Mm-hmm. And you really sympathize with this guy. But then he goes off the rails. Anyways, yeah, there's a lot of humor in it. It is pretty funny. I do like that dance scene where he's like, but if you're a, if you're bad girls and boys, I have to put you in the bad girls and boys books. And I'm going to bring you something awful. That, and then he laughs and freaks them all out. That was, that was a lot of fun. Good performance from the lead. And um, yeah, for the budget, I thought it was really great. I give it a 7 out of 10. Wow. I the first time I saw this, I looked up my letterbox rating, which has been several years since I watched it and and, and rated it. And my I didn't have as high of opinion as as Brandon Maggard's performance then. I, I loved Jeffrey DeMunn in it and I, I praised him in my letterbox review. I said Jeffrey DeMunn is always solid. Uh, and I thought it had some good scenes. But back then I said, you know what, I think it's just kind of a little slow. I just wasn't as interested. It's obviously, I, I think you're both right. I mean, the focus, especially of the first like 45 minutes is his like slide into madness and, and, and into homicidal, you know, madness. Um, but he just didn't grab me the first time I watched it. I watched it again today and my opinion rose on it. Um, I liked it a little bit more. I noticed watching it on, and I watched it on um, via Shutter, via Amazon Prime today on my TV, and that was better than watching it on YouTube. Um, I noticed a little more of the humor, um, and I noticed that I think it was IMDb said listed this as like horror comedy thriller or something like that, and there's definitely some comedy here, um, and so I liked it a little bit more today. And so I think the first time I watched, it, I gave it like a four or four point five, but I'm bumping that up to a six and I'm saying that it's a, it's a definite stream, especially this time of year. I, I think it's worth it. If you have um shutter or I think it's also on Tubi, I think right now um, it's worth checking out. And, you know, if nothing else, I'm telling you, Jeffrey DeMunn is always fantastic and absolutely everything he does, even in like the five, 10 minutes he's in the hitcher, he's fantastic. And so yeah, I definitely say it's worth checking out. It, it, for me, it's worth watching just to see the kid break the snow globe in his hand. <laughs> to me, that was yeah. worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> and there is like a, there is an axe to the head at one point outside. Uh, yeah, in public. I mean, yeah. So, all right, Jackson, what are you bringing to the table? I know that we talked, we went kind of back and forth on this, and you brought something a little different here. You kind of <laughs> yeah. surprised me today when you said, I, I'm going to do this. I was like, really? And you kind of had to remind me about this movie so what are you bringing to the table all right so the movie i'm bringing today is called the day of the beast and it is from 1995 uh directed by a guy named alex de la iglesia 
Uh, I've never seen anything else by this director. But after this movie, I think I definitely will check out his filmography. Uh, it stars Alex Angelo, who you may know he has a supporting role in Pan's Labyrinth, and he was he was really good in this movie. But okay, so the plot was the thing that grabbed me. And I wanna I'm gonna read this to you, but it's not really what the movie is entirely about. Like this movie is all about the way it's presented. I will so get plot, into it because it's bonkers, but go it ahead. It is bonkers. So here's the plot according to to uh, Google. A heavy metal fan and a psychic help a priest seek the infant antichrist in Madrid at Christmas. Uh, so there's the plot synopsis. And if that hasn't grabbed you already, there's something wrong with you. Because uh, that that was enough for oh, me. Oh, and to... let's, let's go ahead and say, say it. It's a fake psychic and a metalhead who claims to be a Satanist helping a priest to find and hopefully destroy the Antichrist. And that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an odd bird. Um, it, it's, it's, it doesn't feel very Christmassy until the third act. I mean, they, they state that it's Christmas a lot in the movie, like someone says it every other scene, just to remind you. Uh, but it doesn't feel yeah, like Christmas. Yeah, you told me today that you wanted to do this, and I was like, I remember seeing this several years back, like, Wait a minute, is that a Christmas movie? But you're right, I rewatched it tonight. It's like, it takes place on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Christmas Eve and the, the third act, they're running through a Christmas parade and there's the three wise men. And uh, I don't think this is a spoiler. I can just say the three wise men get shot by the police in this movie. <laughs> that happens. Um, it, it, it is bonkers. So uh, this this movie is all about the presentation, like I said, shot in a very interesting way, edited in a very interesting way. All the performances are interesting. I think that's the best adjective I could give to the movie. Um, you can't really blame me for thinking that this would be a traditional Christmas horror movie because every single Christmas horror movie list I dug through, I found this movie. And they were always trying to sell it like, oh, it's a Christmas flasher or something. Listen to this article from the Los Angeles Times. Day of the Beast delivers ho-ho horror for the holidays. Uh, is that really? Ho-ho-ho? <laughs> really? Mm -hmm. that, that's what mm -hmm. you're going to? Also, dailygrindhouse.com uh, included this on their Christmas movie advent calendar of 2018. I think this is way more about the devil than Christmas. But uh, that, anyway, that's the reason I decided to cover it on this episode. Um... It's interesting. Uh, I would say that this movie is is fifty percent comedy, fifty percent brutal, demented, really disturbing horror, and it's an odd blend. But I think it works. Uh, it's got a lot of like really awkward European humor, um, some slapstick, uh, lots of like very explicit violence that's supposed to be seen, I guess, kind of as a joke. I guess because it's so on screen, it's supposed to kind of be funny. Um, but there are some really messed up things in this movie. Again, I don't think this is a spoiler. Oh, but right from the opening. Yeah, yeah. After he tells the other priest what he's going right. to do. Right. Yes. It opens up. Slam. It opens up. Yep. It opens up in a in a um, in a Catholic church or a parish or whatever you call it. Uh, he walks up to this other priest and says, "I found the Antichrist. You know, you got to help me." And then the giant stone cross falls and lands and smashes this guy right in front of him. And then you know that we're into the movie. Um, it, there are some really messed up parts that horror fans will appreciate some, some practical effects. Uh, they have burn burn effects and some burn stunts, which were very explicit. I was not expecting that. I just, I'm going to say it right now. Cause I don't think this is a spoiler. A homeless man is lit on fire 
and so is one of the main characters just yep. by this this band of satanists that roam the streets of madrid they're lighting people on fire uh not really sure how that fit into the plot but it did uh somehow um but yeah it's just this is a, it reminds me a little bit of fear and loathing in las vegas something like that where it's kind of it's got drug use in it but most of all it's just like the characters are such wacky like caricatures of people that they're they just keep your interest this metalhead guy um who right from the beginning just randomly decides to join this priest guy in in the search of the antichrist even after the the priest guy pretty much destroys his entire life he's still along for the ride i'm not sure exactly why uh we have a fake kind of phony tv psychic and he's probably my favorite character in the movie um Kind of reminded me a little bit of that movie we watched. Uh, what was that? That British horror movie we watched together, Dad, where it had that like ghost hunting. Oh, ghost yeah, hunting yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. His yeah, segments kind of reminded me of that. But it's yeah. It. I, I want to know what you think, Dad, because I know you were watching the same at the same time I was. I need well, to level me I, out here. I, I I watched just part of it because I, I have seen it before. I saw it. Yeah, you know, we were kind of messaging each other like five o'clock or something like that. And you're like, I want to do this. And I'm like, okay. Um, I was like, I know I've seen it, but you know, it's been a while. And I had to ask you, I was like, is that that Spanish movie? And then it was like, so I was watching Christmas evil on my TV, rewatching it. And I was watching with the subtitles on mute on my laptop on Tubi of uh of day of the beast and i was like oh yeah yeah now i remember now i remember <laughs> now i remember um yep. it, it, it's a very strange film because it is a comedy horror about hunting down the antichrist and the priest believes that he has to be the biggest sinner he can be to sell his soul to the devil in order to find where the antichrist is being born and to become the biggest sinner he does things like push a mime down Mm-hmm. Um, and rob a blind beggar out of his bowl, out of his cup, yep. uh, and stuff like that. Um, it, it, it is strange, um, but it's not unenjoyable, but it it is odd. I don't want to spoil it, because very few people have seen this. It's on Tubi. Um, be sure to hit your CC. You need to have the subtitles on, because it does not, mm-hmm. there is not an English dub that exists uh, of this film. You have to, if you don't like to read subtitles you're not going to like it um but if you can read the subtitles and go through it it is a bizarre film the comedy is there the comedy is very european yeah. and often spanish and italian humor is very different from uh, north american or western humor and so you may not find it very funny there are some really weird things going on like why does the metalhead who says he's a satanist just jump in with a priest to try to kill the Antichrist, you think he'd be working against him. Um, there's another thing, and Bill, I don't know if you've seen this or not, and there's a scene where the guy who, he owns a metal record shop. This is a record shop in Madrid that only sells metal albums, cassettes, and CDs, because this is the 90s. And you, he, the father looks into the storefront, in the storefront, he's got all these like satanic objects, like goats with pentagrams and stuff like that, next to like Def Leppard's Hysteria CD. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, and and and, and, and yeah, like a, and like a Kiss CD where they were still in the middle of their hair metal phase. And I'm like, yep. 
that's strange, you know. Yeah. I was thinking more like Venom or something like that. No, he's got Def Leppard out there next to the goat with a pentagram, so... Yeah, one of my favorite visual jokes in this movie is when the priest walks into the records uh, shop and he hands the the uh, Satanist guy a slip of paper with with records he wants, and it's like with these death metal records and black metal, and then also Iron Maiden, <laughs> which is really funny. Make Interesting. Death and Iron Maiden. Yeah search for satan yeah yep and and uh and of the entire movie that that record shop guy just whenever something goes down he always he's like heavy like that's his reaction to everything just heavy um yeah he was my favorite character he's very entertaining there's one scene very tense scene uh with a little bit of a of a i don't even know if i want to spoil it, it it's very tense you, you i don't know if you remember dad uh, but there's a scene regarding a building and being high up uh well, there are a couple he was of those, aren't scene. they? If I remember correctly, aren't there two scenes like that? Uh oh, yeah. Well, oh, well, are you ended. talking about the one where is he high? Yes, on uh, copious amounts of yeah, yeah, yeah. L uh, LSD. Okay, the metalhead guy is high. That's right. Okay, because I that. because um apparently I guess to summon Satan you have to drink a mixture of LSD and virgin blood. Uh, so they do that, and then they, uh, by the way, with uh, with little circles of bread cut out, you have to soak it in that and then eat them. And then a goat walks in on 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 its back leg. It's just an, a very odd movie. Um, it is very experimental, uh, very 90s. Honestly, it, it reminds me kind of a more like a more comical version of the Stenthal Syndrome tonally, where it's really dark and gritty and there's lots of death, but like... It's got that visual style. I don't even know how to explain it. It just looks like it's the very 90s. European. Yeah, it's very mm -hmm. European. Yeah, but it's so yeah. If you like st stuff that's far out, uh, if you like violence but also comedy, I would compare the first act of this movie to something like Shaun of the Dead, whereas the rest of it is a little bit more extreme, um, because the first act it's really divided into two sections. The first act is the priest trying to sin as much as he can, steal books and uh, wallets and scratch cars and. He's looking for the Antichrist, but he has. Yeah, I love that when he, he after he gets out of he he shoplifts, and then his great sin is to key a couple cars. Yeah, that's yep, his yep. idea of sinning. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So that's the first act. It's just kind of funny. There's lots of slapstick in it and um, uh, awkward situations. But then the second and third acts are like really ultra violent and uh, very tense. They kind of remind me of a Safdie Brothers thing, like Good Time or um, or Uncut Gems, where it's very neon very gritty very tense the entire time you feel like there's a ticking clock um so yeah i really enjoyed it i did not know anything about it going in um i think it's got a great style visually and narratively uh you were listening you weren't listening to it you had subtitles on but um right. uh the music was pretty good and i noticed it in a few places it's got some rocking guitars um i have a few issues i think mostly with the pacing it's on, the movie's only 100 minutes long but it feels a little bit longer than that yeah. Um, but uh, it and it drags a little bit because the characters have to go back and forth between locations that we know. They just go back and forth and back and forth. So it drags a little bit. Also, I can see how this movie would be considered like offensive and sacrilegious <laughs> if you watch this not knowing what it is. Um, it's it's a it's a little extreme. It's not as sacrilegious. I mean, when I uh, when I first watched it, and it's probably been maybe a year, year and a half ago since I've seen, maybe a year since I've seen it, mm -hmm. um, and really paid attention to it. You know, you would think that a movie about a priest trying to sell his soul to the devil 
in order to be kind of a double agent and kill the Antichrist that he'd be like with prostitutes and, and you know, shooting black tar heroin and, sure. and killing people. No, no. Shoplifting and keying cars. Well, and, I mean, and, there and, is a, there is some, per- he does commit some murders later on. It gets to well, that point, but, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's not, it's not that extreme. So I, yeah. So what would you rate this Jackson? Uh, I think I'm going to give this a 7.5 because <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, it's not, it's, this isn't a, a perfect movie. Like I said, the pacing is really awkward. I mean, it, and tonally, it's really awkward. It doesn't know what it is. I feel like sometimes, like I said, the first act and the second and third are very different movies. But I enjoyed it so much. The characters were so entertaining, and the dialogue was really sharply written. Um, performances, from what I could tell, I mean, it, it, there's a language barrier, so that always makes it difficult. But I, sp- I, I, I can understand a little bit of Spanish, so I, I feel confident in saying that they, they had some pretty good performances. So yeah, 7.5. It's on Tubi. You have to look it up on Google and then hit the Tubi link because because on it's Tubi, not listed as Day of the Day of the Beast right, on Tubi. It's listed it's, under its Spanish title. Yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, you have to look it up on Google unless you want to type in El Dia de la Bestia into Tubi. But um, yeah, I'd recommend it. But uh, know what you're getting into, and if you want something a little bit more serious or a little bit less <laughs> serious, uh, then maybe check out the two other movies uh, that we're going to be talking about today. Bill, have you ever seen this movie? No, I thought we were doing it uh, another another film of Jackson. So I watched Body. Oh, Body! I did see Body. Uh, I saw that earlier in the week. I don't have notes, but I'm interested to hear what you think really quick. Body, I found quite interesting. Uh, It's got Helen Rogers, who was in VHS, and uh, the one and only Larry Fessenden. And anything with Larry Fessenden, I'm in. Anything with Larry Fessenden. And it basically is these three college girls. They might be in their early 20s. Uh, they've had a little bit to drink. They've smoked up a little bit. They're bored. It's over the Christmas holidays. It's about nine o'clock and one of them's ready for bed. And one of them says, let's go out and do something. You know, come on, let's enjoy ourselves. So they go on a joyride. And one of them says, uh, my uncle, my rich uncle has a big mansion out this way. Let's go check it out. So they get to the house and they're checking out the food and they're checking out the digs and they're going around and they're having some champagne and getting into their kitchen and stuff. And they check out the garage. There's these really fancy cars. And a man just all of a sudden shows up. And the one girl says, oh, this isn't my uncle's house. This was my uh, place where I used to babysit. That's their house. So they've essentially broken into the house. Right. They're using their house for their uh, ne'er-do-well uh, reasons, and they're going to now get in trouble for breaking and entering. Well, a guy walks in and startles one of the girls on the top of a staircase, and reactionary-wise, the girl pushes him off him, pushes him off her, uh, who was Larry Fessenden. He falls down the stairs and is assumably dead. Mm. And so it's a situation you get into moralities of what do you do with the body? What should we be doing? Should we call the police? Should we call an ambulance? Should we kill him right there? Should we leave and wait him out? And all those scenarios play out. And then it turns out he isn't dead. 
And so then there's more morality. He's trying to talk to the girls and seeing if he convince one of them to call. One of them is dead set on not calling. One of them has a bit of a lap of lapse of moral judgment. One of them wants to help out. And it's them running around trying to figure out what to do. If they want to commit a further crime, do they cover themselves up? Do they give themselves up to the police? And I want people to see it because to me, I had never heard of the film until you mentioned it. And I looked it up and I really didn't mind the film. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd give it a, at least a seven. Um, but at, at, at times it does have a dark comedy and you get a bit of that weekend at Bernie's feel where you're dragging a body around. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and But you also really, I don't know if you guys have seen the film Stuck, the Stuart Gordon film. No, I haven't. That, uh, a, a similar scenario where a girl is coming home from work late at night. She's tired. She's coming off a shift and she hits a guy and he's lodged in the front of her windshield and he slowly uh, is bleeding to death in her garage in her windshield. This is the same kind of situation. And oh, I know about the movie you're talking. I've never seen it, but I've heard about it. Yes. Now yeah. you said that it rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the same kind of situation. And I'm not going to give it away. I want you to go out and watch it because for me it was kind of an unhidden. It was kind of a hidden gem, an undiscovered yeah. one of those. So I'm glad that uh, you brought it up to me from Jackson, and I'm glad that uh, I had the chance to see it. So if you guys haven't seen Body, it's streaming on one of the services. I can't remember what it was, but it was fairly easily accessible. I think it was Prime. Yeah, I think uh, it's on Prime. It yeah, it's, and I'm I'm with you. I love Larry Fessenden. So Jackson, did you get a chance to watch Body? I did. Yeah, I saw it on Shudder, and um, this was part of their Christmas collection, which is why I originally said I wanted to cover it. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those movies where the characters keep getting themselves in deeper, I feel like, and um, it, it was a little frustrating, a little tense. Uh, it, you definitely do feel the emotions of the characters. Um, I'm not as big a fan of it. I think I would give it like a five to a six. Um, though I can definitely see why people would enjoy this. Um, Well-written. It does pose some interesting conundrums. And I've, I always like movies where um, y you have to put yourself in other people's shoes and see what you would do in that situation. So if you're into that kind of thing, I would recommend it. And if you're looking for more Christmas horror, I mean, why not? I mean, it does fail a little in terms of the budget. And mm. it does kind of get dramatic at times. But... I mean, it's not overly long. It's not going to tax your time. It's not a heavy watch. But I do like that you kind of get into their heads. I agree with you there, there Jackson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think Larry Fessenden has ever been involved with anything with a big budget. I can't see Larry Fessenden showing up, you know, in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. You know, it's just not his jam. That's maybe, his maybe his biggest is uh, The Dead Don't Die. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, Jim Jarmusch's. Yeah, the dead don't die. Yeah, and I mean, that's... even even that's an indie, but it it was yeah. a decently funded indie. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I will definitely have to check out uh, Body. I have. I know I've seen parts of it, um, but I just don't think I've seen it all the way through from beginning to end. But yeah, I mm -hmm. will definitely check it out. I think this, if memory serves, this is like maybe four or five years old. I think. Um, yeah, it's 2016, mm -hmm. I think. Okay, all right. Yep, yeah, that makes sense. That 2015, makes sense. maybe that, that range. Okay. So, and, and before, just one thing on Day of the Beast are Are you intrigued 
that somebody in Madrid, Spain puts a uh, a goat with a pentagram, the sign of the Satan, next to Death Leopard's hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> the movie the movie does intrigue me one because of my Catholic background. Yeah, I mean, I teach in a Catholic school, grew up all the way through, so I've got that going, and and the fact that. It's got heavy metal, which is one of my favorite genres. Yeah. So when you combine a bit of that and a bit of the what sounds to be quirky characters, offbeat people with a little bit of intrigue and a little bit of drama and a little bit of blood. Yeah, I'm sure as heck going to watch this. Yeah. And it's on Tubi, but you got to look up the Spanish title. Like Jackson said, Google it. I, um, and one of the biggest bummers, I know we've all had a lot of bummers with uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic, but you know, Jackson turned 17 last summer. I can't believe he's going to turn 18 pretty soon. But, um, and we were uh, part of his 17th birthday gift. We were supposed to, before they canceled it, we were supposed to see uh, Joan Jett, Def Leppard, and Motley Crue in concert in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Maybe, well, did they give you any refund on the tickets or did they say hold on to them? They, they have said nothing. I mean, Actually, they did refund all the money, but they didn't. They actually announced initially, said, well, we plan to reschedule. Then they gave refunds and they said, you know, the tour's canceled. They gave no updates on it. So uh, it sucks. Yeah, it does. It does. I think that would have been a lot of fun. So that would have been. But the, at some point, they will get stuff rolling again. So if Motley Crue can hold it together and not start punching <laughs> each other out, then, you know, Tommy Lee and Vince Dill aren't, you know. They are the, they are the boys on the wild side. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I saw an interview with Tommy Lee. He's been the during the pandemic. He got clean and sober. So, and uh, is he in, is he in decent shape? He looks it. Yeah, he looks it. So good. You know, we shall see. So, sure. all right, folks. To bring this to a close, I'm bringing to the table. Better watch out from 2017. The IMDb synopsis reads, on a quiet suburban street, a babysitter must defend a 12-year-old boy from intruders, only discover it's far from a normal home invasion. Eh, hard to, to, to kind of write any kind of synopsis here without giving the twist, right? Uh, yeah, you got to really tread lightly on that. If, yeah. you, if, you were, if we weren't a, spo- a spoiler podcast. Yep. And, well, we actually are, but here because some of these are not as well seen, I think we should tread a little lightly. I agree. I just because, you know, some of these aren't as widely, you know, seen. Christmas Evil. I think every horror fan listening to this, or ninety percent of them, have seen Silent Night, Deadly Night. They've seen Gremlins. They've seen the original Black Christmas. But you know, movies like Christmas Evil, Day of the Beast, Body, and and now this one, Better Watch Out. Probably not. Better Watch Out, maybe the most viewed because H and P really pushed it a few years ago. Um, they did a meetup with the director Chris Peckover, and rewatching this today, it's like Chris Peckover was having an adult beverage, had grown <laughs> up watching The Bad Seed. And then was watching Home Alone. And then we get this. Um, Bill, when did you first see uh, Better Watch Out? I saw it probably shortly thereafter. Probably hearing it on HMP. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their talk up. But I do remember Netflix. It, I think it was a Netflix film. Or it was released out there. Because it got quite a bit of press, I remember, when it first came out. 
Yeah, it was. I know it was on Prime for a while too, and now it's yeah. on Shutter. So, yeah, Jackson, what about you? When did you first see this? I first saw it in 2017 when I got its uh, wide release. I know it was kind of in fest- the festival circuit for like a year before then. Yeah. Um, and I remember actually uh, the coverage before the release actually being just as interesting to me as the movie itself. Uh, because, yeah, I remember horror movie podcast closely followed this movie for months. They championed it. Um, and I remember watching a bunch of videos about it when it was still in the festivals. It would come home from the festivals and talk about this movie they just saw. Um, so that that's just as interesting to me. Um, I haven't seen it since all the way through. I revisited it today and watched 45 minutes of it. Um, I still think it holds up. I think it's pretty good. Good child acting. Um, I think this is a better performance from, oh, what's her name? Uh, the girl that plays Ashley and, and the yep. kid that plays, uh, Garrett. Garrett. Um, they, they are in, brother and sister in. Yeah. In the visit. Yep. But, another, another very underrated film. Right. Yes. But I actually think their performances are better in this movie. Yeah. Um, they, they did a really good job. Levi Miller as Luke, very creepy kid. He's initially kind of, he, he's kind of a little jerk, but he's, he's, he seems nice enough. Um, but then well, he wants to turn. back on his babysitter, right? I mean, we can give this much away. Yeah. His babysitter is Olivia de Jong or something like that. Yeah. Both Australian actors, by the way, who do not betray any kind of accent that I could do. Yeah, that. they did a good job. And he's 12 years old. She's supposed to be 17. Um, and that was a, that, I don't know about you. That seemed like a bit of a stretch. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. But, but you know, you can definitely believe that a 12-year-old kid would be in love with a 17-year-old girl who babysits him. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. And so he's in love with her, and he's got this fantasy that he's looking up all these articles online that – if we watch scary movies and if I get her scared, then maybe I've got a chance. She's always told me how wonderful I am and how mature I am for my age and blah, blah, blah. And so he wants to hook up with his babysitter. And she, by the way, is getting ready to move away, move to Pittsburgh. She should be more upset about that. I've been to Pittsburgh. But anyway, she, you know, and so there's that. And then it, it, it looks like it's going to be a home invasion movie, like he's planned this, but then something else is going on. But then there is a brutal twist, and we get deaths. We get, I mean, it's it, it goes bonkers. So, um, so Bill, you're saying you, you didn't? What what did you find a reach? Yeah, a twelve year old having seventeen. What what did you find? A well, reach? no, the, the, no, the only reach was her playing a seventeen year old. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she does look a little bit older than 17. I mean, she was, probably, she was probably 22, 23, I would imagine. I think she was, a, I think she was older, and I don't think she was that much older, if, if I remember, because I, you know, but I'd have to look it, it up. You been. may be right. You may yeah. be right. But she was, she was definitely older than that, and he was older than 12, too, by the way. Um, I did, I do remember looking that up, but... What did you think, first of all, of the performances? Well, the one thing I did write and I started right away was there's a good build up to the suspense to what inevitably happens. And you you think it might be a silly teen comedy-ish story, you know, suspense thriller, but it quickly you realize it is not. It is not a Goonies. It is it is not a Gremlins. It it, it takes that twist. It's almost, it, gets, it gets a bit dark. It, it, it almost reminds me of uh, uh, Summer of 84. Yes. 
Summer of 84 has got that whimsical, playful, investigative, and then it takes that sharp turn. Yep. That's kind of what this does. And if we're treading lightly, I'll be careful what I say. There is an incident involving yellow paint. Yes. That when certain things mix, looks like ketchup and mustard off a hot dog. Glopping on the ground. That's what I was thinking. Um... I, I really, and uh, I'm sure Jackson will uh, appreciate this. I really thought the musical score was pretty strong. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of the film, I kind of got that Ferris Bueller feel <laughs> to the film. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't really want to say much more if we're kind of being careful about this. Other than to say the cover deceives the viewer. And that's all I'll put. I tell you what, Jackson, I'll go to you, and then what we'll do is I'll give our listeners a warning, and then we can go into spoilers. How's that sound? Sure. Okay. Jackson, what about you? The, what did you think of the buildup, the twist overall? You know, what, what did you think to it? I think the first time I saw it, I, I kind of anticipated a little bit where it was going, but I didn't know to what extent. Because uh, it does get a little uncomfortable <laughs> in some parts. But I looked it up. Um, the girl who played Ashley was 18 when they filmed this. Oh, really? And, wow. And okay. the, wow. Uh, the, Levi Miller, the guy that played Luke, was 14. So he was acting older than he was, but she wasn't that far off. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. she might just be very mature. Uh, but Garrett is actually younger than uh, Luke. so Or old, uh, older is what I meant. Um, but... Uh, I I like it. Um, lots of good supporting roles. You got Virginia Madsen from Candyman. She's the mom, and then Patrick Warburton is the dad. Um, putty, putty, yes, putty. Uh, we got Dacker uh, Montgomery from Stranger Things. He comes. He's a very memorable supporting role. Um, and I think we talked about him, and we did a bonus pod. I don't remember. It was like uh, best small horror roles, and I definitely had him on that list because he's he's very funny, and what they do with his character uh, is it's it's clever. Um, I do definitely get that Ferris Bueller feel. There is a scramble to get everything in place um, at some point in the movie, so yeah, definitely I I agree with you on that. Um, there's not much more you can say because the spoilers kind of make the movie, in my opinion. All right, so let's go ahead. And give our ratings and recommendations. Sure. And then we can tell people whether or not to go watch this or not. And they can pause after that and then come back. So, Bill, what do you? What would you rate this on a scale of 1 to 10? Scale of 1 to 10, uh, 7.5 to an 8. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Jackson, what about you? Uh, I'm going with a 7. And bear in mind that that was the rating I gave it when I first saw it back in 2017. And I still agree with it. But again, I didn't finish the movie. I just saw a good a good portion of it. So 7 out of 10, tentative. If I finish the whole movie now, I might like it better or worse. But um, regardless, I still recommend it. I'm going higher both of you. I'm an 8 to an 8.5. Um, I really like this movie. This just fell right outside of my top 10 list for that year. I remember it was in the honorable mentions. Uh, I rented it right after H&P bragged on it and had Chris Peck over at their meetup, the director. And um, it really held up for me this week when I watched it. I think the strength is, there are a number of strengths, but I think the performances 
are really good by the three kind of leads, the kids. And of course, as I said, you got Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen who have great kind of small roles in it. Uh, but the three leads, I think, are terrific. I think it's a really good film. It, it hasn't surplanted like Gremlins is my favorite Christmas horror movie, which Gremlins is my favorite Christmas horror movie, which I tried to show to my wife and she did not appreciate, but she likes Hallmark movies. Um, so, yeah, I say it's an 8.5. It's on Shutter. Definitely check it out. Uh, I've considered buying it. I would like to hear the audio commentary from Chris Peckover, so... I may be buying it in the future. So, folks, at this point, we're going to go into spoilers on Better Watch Out. So, we'll give you a, list, a warning right here. If you've seen it, like I know uh, Amy Swan has and so forth, then we're going to move forward. Um, for those who haven't seen it, pause. If you have Shutter, go do it. Uh, otherwise, would you guys say it is worth a rental? It's like a two nine. If it's like a two ninety nine rental, if they haven't got Shutter, it's worth it. For sure. I, okay. I would even pick. I would pick this up if it was in the uh, Walmart bargain bin, ten dollars, that kind of thing. Yeah, Jackson, what about you? I agree. I think it is worth a uh, a buy or a rental. But honestly, I think this is on Tubi, right? I think that's where I saw it earlier. I saw and it on Shutter, and I thought it said Shutter exclusive. But you may they, be right. They might take it. Down. Here's the thing with Tubi: you never know because it could be on there one day and off the next. As soon as you talk about it, it's gone. But I think it is definitely worth a rental, just a one, especially around the Christmas uh, season, because you, you're you're getting into that mood, and this will definitely help. And our buddy and former podcast guest, two time guest, and Patreon Amy Swan, she uh, actually tweeted the other day, "It's Christmas time, gonna go watch Better uh, Better Watch Out again." So I know she's a fan of this, so she'll be listening. So here we go, folks. You've had your warning. Three, two, one. If Macaulay Culkin was truly a sociopath. <laughs> That's what we'd have. Would we not with Home Alone, right? Is this not a sociopathic Home Alone with a babysitter? Yeah, with a, with a, a more slightly, I would say, I, I wouldn't say sexual element, but a more of a that kind of vibe to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, so, man, oh, man, so much to go over here. So what we basically have is this 12-year-old knows this is his last chance to hook up with the babysitter that he's had a crush on for who knows how long. So he en enlists his best friend, Garrett, to scare her. And that's all Garrett knows. Garrett thinks they're just scaring her. And that by scaring her, she'll be afraid and more willing to cuddle. And maybe he'll get a kiss and all the other kind of stuff. Um, but it turns out that he's not satisfied with that. That uh, he wants her and he has... I think it's clear, for me anyway, from the beginning, set up this elaborate plan where he's going to um, knock off at least one of her boyfriends. I think it looks like he planned to knock off the ex-boyfriend, Jeremy. I'm not so sure that he had planned out to knock off the first boyfriend. But he, he certainly had a plan to do that and to kind of get her. I, think it, I don't think it was his primary plan. I think it was kind of plan B, that if he had to take this extreme he would, but this is a 12 year old Ted Bundy, just psychopath. Jackson, am I wrong? No, you're, you're definitely, you're definitely, yeah, he, 
he's creepy. Uh, when he goes there, he goes there. His gaze is real uncomfortable. Uh, you you feel mm-hmm. like you're being you're being attacked just by him looking at the characters. Um, he's he's really creepy, and he's manipulated everybody in this situation so perfectly. He is definitely a Kevin McAllister type. Um, uh, but I don't know. I don't know. That that is the twist makes this movie. Without the twist, if this was just a home invasion movie, I think this would be really, really boring. But well, the fact that they made it a killer kid, that's awesome. And it's, as Bill was saying earlier, if you're looking at the poster for the first half hour of this movie, that's what you think you're getting. Okay, this mm-hmm. kid's in love with her. Yeah, he wants to scare her, but all of a sudden something's going on. Where did that Santa come from? You know, where are those noises coming from? Somebody's knocking on the door. We can't see anybody. You're thinking this is a home invasion movie, and then all of a sudden, that kid goes completely bonkers. Am I wrong, Bill? No, absolutely. And you know what? It had been a while since I'd seen it, so I was like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, okay. And the thing is, watching this again three, four years later, you know, the layers of the onion kind of get unpeeled, and, you know, you kind of realize, oh, okay, this was cleverly done. Oh, I forgot this. Had ha- like, I completely forgotten, spoiler, we're into spoilers, I yep. completely forgotten that he shot his best friend. Yeah, because he dared to to kiss her on the, what was it, the forehead or cheek or something? Whatever it was, yeah. Boom! Oh, you forced myself to do that. Oh. It was almost the end. I almost got that feel of scream. Oh, I think it's gotten a little too deep. Like I kind of yeah. got that kind of vibe, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he he is definitely as cold and calculating as a sociopath as he is. You, we also see those flashes that he can just lose his temper and just go off. And, you know, one of the best scenes, which you brought up earlier, Bill, is, you know, he's had this debate with his friend about obviously a Home Alone reference where if you swung a paint can, a full paint can at somebody, where in Home Alone it just knocks him down the stairs and knocks him out, and he's like, no, it would kill him. And he decides to that once they trap the boyfriend, that they're going to test this out. And the, you know, the babysitter gets free, and she runs over with the gun, a gun she finds out painfully is not loaded, and he knows it. But he has this look on his face when he's like, sure, I'll let it go and swings it the second time. And it just crushes the guy's face. The look on his face and that scene, I remember watching that for the first time when it came out on Amazon Prime. And I just went, you know, and this is a family friendly podcast, but I will warn you of this. Damn. (laughs) Now, the question that I have for you is, did you feel cheated? Not seeing it smash, or did you like your imagination trying to figure out how it got smashed? I I would rather have seen just a quick shot of it. Um, maybe that was a budgetary issue because I read that originally they were going to shoot this in um, like the Carolinas in January for like five hundred thousand dollars, but they got a tax credit in Australia, and that's why they shot it in Australia. So this was obviously you know a low budget movie. And so maybe they just couldn't afford it. But what about you, Bill? Did you, did you want to see it? Well, I was kind of hoping for my scanners moment. But, <laughs> uh, you know, you get what you get. Your maniac shot. But in a certain way, this kind of works, too, because you're kind of imagining 
Yeah. And then, as I said, you see the blood mixing with the yellow, with the orange paint. It reminded me of, you know, when it mixed together out the end of a hot dog. That's kind of yep. what it reminded me of as it's falling. So I, I see the pluses and minuses. Sometimes it's better. Less seen creates more. It's kind of a, a Texas chainsaw. You don't see it all. Your your mind does it. So I see the pluses and minuses. As as a gore guy, I would have loved to have seen it because everything would have been practical knowing Peck over anyways. But uh it is what it is, and I, I figured it was a budgetary thing as well. Yeah. Jackson, what about you? What did you think of that scene? Uh, you know, I I, I always am a and am a um I, I'm not a gore hound, I wouldn't say, but I would definitely like to see some uh, gore where you can. Of course, that's very expensive. Uh, practical effect shots are probably the hardest thing to film. Oh, come on. Um, if trauma can get a bucket of corn syrup and <laughs> That's, die, that's very good. true. That's very true. Um, but I, I think it would have looked a little ridiculous if it was just the bucket of, of corn syrup, uh, if there wasn't anything else. You have to have a little bit of a face cave, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It didn't bother me. The thing that bothers me about this movie, I think, um, is just like, I wish, yeah, I wish overall the violence was a little bit more explicit. Like, not just that scene. I wish it was a little bit more extreme. I get why you wouldn't, because then you might be getting into a questionable waters when you have these kid actors and, you know, what do their parents think? But, um, you know, is there, am I misremembering or is there a scene with a tracheotomy? Well, the, the hanging scene, you mean? No, I, that's with Dacker Montgomery. That's with Jeremy. I, I, for some reason, I remember. Maybe I'm getting it mixed up with one of the with one of the no, Saw movies where I know that happened. When he finally decides that, when he finally decides it hasn't Luke Miller's character. When he finally decides, okay, this hasn't gone the way I want it to go, mm-hmm. uh, and he's taken it as far as he can. Yeah, he's framed Jeremy um, for the boyfriend's death, Garrett's death. Um, but he knows his parents are headed home, so he stabs Ashley in the back of the neck. Oh, okay. When she's sitting in the chair. Mm. That might have been what I was thinking of. Like I said, I didn't watch the end of the movie today. I, I'd just seen it the once all the way through. But uh, the, the, the other question I wondered as I watched is, when the, when the first boyfriend urinates over himself, Yeah. W- was that done on, on purpose or was that planned? Because it kind of, it kind of, I was going to say, it kind of let off that I'm going to pee myself to distract him. Yeah. No, I think it was. I think he, I, I think he peed himself to try to distract him. And then, you know, they kind of went from there. I think it was pure desperation because I think he realized what a, what a evil little genius he was dealing with. Um, but, you know, I love the ending here. So, he is he thinks he's covered all of his bases and and bill you're right to bring up ferris bueller especially because at the last minute he realizes he can't get the pencil to stay up to show and when, that he and when he's to... trying to balance on the roof and oh all yeah that, you know complete ferris bueller throwback to, uh for sure but then he gets in he thinks he's got everything covered you know, creepily, he's still listening to a fetus heartbeat machine to go to sleep to, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> there are definitely some Norman Bates mother issues going on there. And, you know, he crawls in bed. And he thinks, I've got it covered. You know, his parents come in, they scream, they check him. You know, he's he's there. He's in bed. He's fine. He's acting like, what's going on? What's happened? And then they hear the EMT goes, there's one alive. 
and he looks out the window and Ashley is alive and she looks up to him and she flips him off. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know about you. When I watched that, I thought, oh, she's the Bruce Willis at the end of Die Hard. Yippee-ki-yo, mother effer. Like, yeah, right. You know, like she's, she's left staggering, haggering, barely hanging on, but she's still got that sense of sensibility about her to give the guy the finger. You know, that's, it, it, it seemed to me, it's the female Bruce Willis, basically. Yeah, but then, and then Jackson, I want you to jump in. Then they, they look like they're going to roll credits. And then the little kid's like, Mommy, can we go see Ashley at the hospital? I'm yeah. worried about her. I loved that ending. Bill, did you not love that ending? Well, you know, it's kind of that, uh-oh, uh, is it a, a situation like the brood or something where, the, you know, the next generation can keep coming, you know? Like, ah, that's, it got you going now. I've, I've never heard anything about a sequel. Is there anything in the... There are talks, but I don't, I haven't seen anything concrete. So, Jackson, what about you? What did you think of the ending with Ashley surviving and then you get the not quite post-credit scene, but scene where he wants to go visit a hospital? What did you think of that? Yeah, I remember that. And I remember thinking, so we're going to see that now, right? Like Scream 4 or whatever. Uh, but nope, it's just the end. I want to see a sequel really bad. I think that could, that could be fun. So a Halloween 2 style thing. You're in the hospital and she's got to survive while he's stalking her. I think that could be fun. But with the pandemic and everything, I don't see that happening anytime soon. And the kids have definitely aged out of that. So, yeah, I think I think we're, we've seen the end of that possibility. But it, it that would have been... it would have to be a reboot. It would almost kind of be like the vacation films where it's new kids every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, the other, I was going to say the other thing I wanted to bring up is I found quite amusing the banter between Madsen and. Uh, uh, Montgomery or Warburton right at the beginning, but yeah. when she asked if he had performed a certain act well in college, <laughs> I, I I cracked up. I literally cracked up because, well, you know, maybe uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and and they're kind of they're kind of playing against type, right? Because Virginia Madsen, if you go back, I, the first time I think I ever saw her on film was in a a terrible horror comedy that's still worth watching. First of all, it has the worst closing theme song of all time it's hysterical it's a movie called zombie high have you ever seen zombie high bill with i i'm I'm sure i have i can't recall it it's late 80s virginia madsen is at an all-girls school her her roommate is Sherilyn finn um the quite both of them quite fetching and and so that's the first time i saw her and she plays like this real sweetheart She's concerned about being away from her boyfriend and she's just, you know, she's just playing this really nice person. You should check the movie out. It used to be on YouTube for no other reason than the closing song is like this Beastie Boys hard rock song where the chorus is only kiss my butt. (laughs) There's lyrics of the chorus. Kiss my butt. Um, It's terrible, but it's it's worth watching um, just because it's so terrible. But and Patrick Warburton, you know, whether he's putty or something, he's usually the smart aleck. Yeah, what's the, what's the TV show he was in? Not Seinfeld, but the other one. Well, he's been uh, for years. He's been on uh, Voice of the Cop uh, in Family Guy. Yeah, no, there was, there was one he was in where uh, he was married and he was kind of the same kind of character as Putty. Oh, okay. And I can't recall it. It, it, it. But, I mean, you can just see him having that exact same character, the conversation. In about five different care rules of engagement. 
Oh, that's right. Oh, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can easily see him as that character just saying that to his wife in the TV. Obviously edited slightly for television versus movies, but that very matter-of-fact, dry, droll... Oh, you know what? I might have. Uh, you know what? I needed to use the sweater that night. Or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Virginia Madsen, not the not the most pleasant wife uh, in those scenes. But but she's always great. Always, always great. I love and, Virginia. And then she ups to the really motherly role towards the end. Like, she's the one holding him in her chest. And, oh, is my, you know, is my boy okay? And... Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so Jax, anything else you want to talk about with Better Watch Out before we wrap this up? And uh, No, I've got nothing, but I just want to say that it is definitely one of, out of these, I think it's probably the most accessible. So if you're looking for something accessible to watch this Christmas, I would say Better Watch Out is definitely the one to go with. Because if not, with uh, Christmas Evil, it's 80s movie, it's a little bit slower, it's kind of a character study. Day of the Beast, that one's way out there, very That's odd. Awesome. Body, I could see being a little slow, a little amateurish for some people, but better watch out. Very well done overall, very accessible. So, uh, yeah, if, if you watch anything, if you're, if you're just looking for something to pass the time, better watch out might be the best bet. And I do have to say, I know that most horror fans, they love Silent Night, Deadly Night. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 and 3 just because they're so bonkers that you just can't believe what you're watching. But um, I, I, I have to kind of agree with Nathan. I wouldn't put it as high as second, but yeah, Christmas Evil really grew on me. And unfortunately, there are not enough Christmas horror films. Can we agree on that? I mean, with the exception of kind of like the sci-fi channel fair over the last five or six years. I mean, Bill, do you want to see more Christmas horror? You know what? I do if they're done right. I mean, we've all seen a hundred schlocky killer Santa ones. Right. But if there's one that's got a, a unique take on it, something that's got a neat story, me being of Dutch heritage, I'd love to see one on Short the Pete, Black Peter. I think that would be a great oh. horror film. T- taken to the Krampus to the next level. Um, there is one, though, that I know that they're covering on HMP. We're going to be covering it on LOTC. I want you and Jackson to sit down, hold hands, go on YouTube, and watch 1989's Elves. Elves. With, with, oh, uh, is that Dan? Ha- is that yes. Dan Haggerty? Yes. yes. Oh my gosh, that thing yes. is bonkers. Oh my gosh, is right. Oh my wow. good golly, Wally. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. <laughs> yes. I want the, everybody listening, if you're part of Pastor Matt's congregation, watch this. There's, there is all kinds of, there's theology issues, there's Nazi issues, there's pregnation issues, there's, wow. Oh, that movie is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. And there, yeah, and and there is one more I just also saw that I've reviewed uh, on another podcast, and that's called Mercy Christmas from 2000 and I'm going to say 17 about a it's a low budget and a guy goes over to uh, somebody's house for dinner he's a lowly office worker very much like the christmas evil he's finally got a date she invites him over and it turns out he may be the one for dinner oh but it's but it's done in almost a cheeky comedic take where the it's quite endearing for its low budget Uh, i think it's it's either tubi or prime uh might be prime uh, look up Christmas Mercy. It's it's a fun watch. I will check that out. I know 
Jackson and I, a few years ago, uh, we were hanging out and we were looking for Christmas horror movies. And we watched this terrible one with Barry Bostwick uh, from, you know, uh, Barry Bostwick was the mayor in Spin City. Barry Bostwick was, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I Uh, exactly. I know exactly what film it is. Sleigh Bells, I believe it's called. It's a it's a terrible movie, but here's the interesting thing about it. When Jax and I were watching, we were kind of looking at each other like this thing. Oh my gosh! But then I looked it up. There are these three girls who play the leads. One of them, you remember this, Jackson? Mm-hmm. Didn't show up to the premiere, and she's been missing ever since. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I, Very... Dead serious. She disappeared, and I I messaged Wolfman Josh back and forth about this. And because I put that we were watching Sleigh Bells and he had made a comment. I was like, well, the interesting thing is one of the lead actresses has disappeared and nobody knows what happened. The cops have no idea what happened to her. And he's like, what? And he literally like five minutes later, he tweets me back. He goes, I just looked that up. You're serious. I was like, yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, that was, we saw that. That will be an upcoming LOTC review. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, that one of the it was the uh, brunette, the short brunette. She disappeared. Now, I remember watching that, and all of a sudden, out of any, nowhere, it comes, hey, that's Richard Mall. Hey, that's Richard Mall. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's it's a, look, it's a bizarre movie. But, yeah, there are a lot of, but I agree. I think if we could get better ones. Jackson, do you want more Christmas horror? And I know this is redundant because we've had this conversation. For sure. Yeah. And I just want to say really quick about that movie you were talking about. Yeah. What was, that was such a fever, fever dream of a movie. What even was that? So they were YouTubers and then they would wear like colored wigs and costumes or whatever. And like, what, what, well, they, what were they, they were, they were urban explorers. Yes. Okay. Who, yes. Who would and go they, do this YouTube kind of deal. Oh, we're at such and such a place and watch us yeah. walk through the gates. Yeah. That movie was terrible. I mean, it was fun. It was interesting for sure. Santa had like what, like a, like a hammer or something. He had like a, like a giant sledgehammer. It's been since we watched it together. Yeah, yeah. he had like a big scepter. Ah, uh, so, yes, right. I remember. Yeah, and, and, and he kind of goes on. He goes like, you know, history's written that I have this sleigh and all this, but nobody ever talks about my scepter. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. that was something. Yeah, I haven't seen it since you and I watched it uh, together. But um, if I remember, was that Barry Bostwick in it? Yes, or am yes, I wrong? Barry okay. Bostwick. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because uh, the the guy that uh, I have my notes here, the guy that directed it, did a crowdfunding. Greg knows all about it because Greg was following it. I think he might have even contributed to the film. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> um, oh wow! But the guy that directed it, Dan Walker, is a, a a history. If you look up his IMDb, of the visual effects, like he did the visual effects for such films as Slither, Zathura. Wrong Turn 2, Final Destination 2. Like, the guy wow. knows the genre. He just, uh, he probably had this idea, and I thought, he probably thought, I'd, I've always wanted to do a film. And he scraped enough, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand together to make this film. So, it, it is what it is. Wow. Oh, well, folks, that is our Christmas 2020 uh, episode, and we appreciate Bill being here, as always. So, Bill, where can they find you online? They can find me online. I'm on Facebook and I'm on Letterboxd. Uh, I, you can listen to me on Land of the Creeps with Greg Morris, Greg Morton, and Dr. Shock Dave Becker, the Silver Bolo Award winner. 
And with Nathan Bartlebaugh and myself on Phantom Galaxy, we're slowly building a strong audience. So jump on board there. A little more sci-fi, horror, fantasy, action, music, books, movies. We got it all. So join us on either one of the two. And we're very interactive. And give us a shout. Great, great podcast. So, yeah, and, and we can be found online at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com and on Twitter at, at fathersonhorror. And we have a closed Facebook group and an Instagram page. And Jackson, you also have a YouTube page. Talk about where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on YouTube at Kane Hero One Word. Also, the Father and Son Watch Horror Movies YouTube channel. I'm posting another video tonight publicly that was on the Patreon. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, it'll be out, you know, by the time this, this episode is posted. You can find me on Twitter at Kane underscore Hero 12. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at Kane Hero One Word. That's K-A-I-N-E Hero. Um, posting constant movie reviews there. Not always horror, but when it is horror, I've got some deep cuts. So you can check those out. Um, we're going to be watching Joe Bob tonight. It's coming on in seven minutes. Uh, we're going to be rooting for Land of the Creeps to get that silver yep. bolo. And Woo-hoo! just just really quick, i got to ask you, Bill, what do you think Joe Bob is going to cover tonight? Uh, Christmas Evil and Body and Better Watch It. Oh, all right. I think those are good picks. I, I actually thought it was going to be either Christmas Eve. What they have on Shutter right now is... They have Christmas Eve. I thought it's either going to be Christmas Evil or Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, and then either Body or Better Watch Out. What do you think, Jackson? I think uh, I, I'm not so sure about Body, um, but I definitely think Christmas Evil is a, is a gimme. I think that one's going to happen, knowing Joe Bob's love of the classics. Um, and I think. I was going to say the other film I watched last night, I don't know if you guys have seen, is To All a Good Night. No, direct, I haven't never heard of that. I haven't seen that one, no. Direct, directed by the one and only, and his only directorial credit, is Mr. David Hess. Really? Yeah. I didn't know Krug from Last House on the Left had directed a movie. He did one feature film. I think he might have done a couple shorts, and he might have done a documentary, but this is his only long play film that he huh. ever did. Wow. So. Huh. All right. Well, we will find out soon, but... Uh... So, Jackson, those are your places where they can find you. What, what? Twitter and Letterboxd, right? Mm-hmm. And they can find me also as at Pastor Matt R on Twitter and at Letterboxd. And we have a Patreon page. Just go to patreon.com and search for Father and Son Watch Horror. And you can become a supporter for as little as $2.50 a month. You get bonus content. You get to suggest what movies we cover. You get to be a guest if you'd like to be. There are different tiers there. And you'll be helping to put an aspiring horror filmmaker through film school. So That's great. Uh, with that being said, Jackson, say goodnight to the good people. Good night, and remember to enjoy yourself this holiday season. Tuck in, watch some, some classic Christmas horror movies, and kiss 2020 goodbye. Thank Lord. Uh, <laughs> see you bye-bye. Um, <clears throat> worst year ever. So, all right, folks. Well, we appreciate you listening. Tune in next time. We'll be coming to you after Christmas for this next episode. And we might have some New Year's horror, maybe. 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 Jackson and I will talk about it. So, until then, remember that the family that watches horror movies together slays together. See you next time.